Well, good morning, Grace. It is good to be in church this morning. Uh, my name is David Thompson, and I serve on staff here as the pastor of adult discipleship. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, let me begin by saying this. Um, it was 18 pages. It was 18 pages, and I'm talking like 11-point font, right, Times New Roman, full pages, front to back, of the most critical, condemning, judgmental words I have ever received in my entire life. Who writes 18 pages to someone they don't like? Well, I was on the other end of that, right? I remember walking, it was my first year in ministry, right? Best way to start it out. And under my door, when I walked in one day, I'm not even a year there, I just see this letter. I'm like, oh, cool, 18 pages to Pastor David Thompson. I'm like, oh, this is really neat. They probably wrote me like some really nice words. No, I got three sentences in, and it was, we hold disdain for you. Oh, okay, that's pr pr pretty encouraging. And then just went on and on and on, pointing out all the things that they did not like about me. I'm like, I just became really insecure. There's 18 pages worth of stuff you don't like about me? Oh, wow, that's a, that's a lot. I thought maybe like three or four pages, but 18, that's a lot. It's a little excessive. It just went on and on. And at the end of it, this is the best part. It said, with love from your students, anonymous. <laughs> right? You're with me on this. Thank you. You just made me feel better. It's taken me 16 years to try to get over this. But anyways... Right? And so we kind of look at that. We laugh about that. That's funny. Maybe at my expense, not so much fun going through it. But we kind of can have the tendency to do that in the way that we treat other people within the family of God. It doesn't take us long to see someone doing something and for us to just point it out and say, hmm, here's a list of reasons why I think what you are doing is wrong. And at what point have we uh, analyzed their life against the scriptures or do we spend more time analyzing their life against what I think they should be doing, the way that I think they should be living? And then we begin to walk through this journey of being more judgmental about someone than being helpful. And within the Sermon on the Mount that we are continuing on in, Jesus cuts straight to the heart the issue of humanity and says, listen, here is how I want you to treat other people within the family of God. Here is how I want you, in these first few verses we're going to looking at, to treat one another as your brother and sister in Christ. I did not place you within the body of Christ to be critical of one another. We'll get enough of that from the world. I placed you in the family of God that you might be helpful in encouraging to one another in the family of God. So we come to this issue of judgment, of judging others that we find in the Gospel of Matthew. Are we to judge or not to judge? Well, a little bit of both. Jesus is going to address our relationships with one another. And what I love about Jesus is everything really comes back to relationships. Not just relationships with how we are with God, how we are in our relationship with Jesus, but how are we making sure that we are unified with one another in the body of Christ? 
we're going to spend eternity together one day, it does well for us to learn how to get along with each other here on earth. In the quickest way that we cause more divisions within the family of God is through this spirit of judgmentalism. And we're gonna unpack that a little bit this morning through a wonderful story that Jesus gives that it's humorous, it's funny, but at the same time, it kind of makes you go, hmm, oh, okay. I see what you're saying, Jesus. Within the context of the story that we're going to look at this morning, Jesus is going to point out something very, very important for us to understand. That there is a difference between condemning critical judgmentalism towards one another versus having godly discernment about the flaws, the sins, and the issues of another believer. We have a responsibility, hear me, we have a responsibility in the family of God to bring right correction to one another, but only after we've done a few things ourselves. And so this is the well that Jesus is going to let us draw from this morning in how we look at one another, how we treat one another, how we talk to one another, how we address the problems and the issues in someone else's life that sometimes we just want to say, well, that's not my place. It's not for me to judge. And Jesus is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't just kind of step back, ascend to heaven, and just kind of chill out and just say, well, whatever happens, happens. I want to use you. Now, if that's grace and mercy at its finest, isn't it? God wants to use you. Do you want to be used by God? Do you want to be used by God to bring help and healing to someone who might be going through something in their life and we know nothing about the circumstances, nothing about the inward motives of their heart. I can only see what I see. Only God can judge a person's heart, rightly deciding and discerning what it is going on. I can only see with my eyes. But God's saying, listen, I want to use you to help that person grow closer to me. Let my spirit and my word do its work. Oh, but let's partner together. All about relationships. So as kingdom citizens and as followers of Jesus Christ, he is going to teach us through our text this morning how to be wise and discerning in our judgments towards one another. How you and I as Christians, as believers, are to rightly look at one another and instead of condemning and writing off and being critical, how we are to discern in someone's life what needs correction and how we are to do it according to God's way, not my way. Keep that in mind. He's going to expose to us this morning that there is a foolish and unjust way in which we critique someone else, in which we criticize someone else, again, concerning faults and sins and shortcomings in their life. And then there is a right and wise way in which we are empowered by God to go to someone and offer help. So, it's the difference between self-righteousness, 
this attitude of holier than thou, of mm, look at you, but mm, uh, maybe not me, in a humble attitude, the life in the way of Jesus. Keeping in mind as we're in this Sermon on the Mount series, Jesus has compared the Pharisees, these religious leaders, numerous times to the passage, and here it is illuminated in another unique, interesting way. And we're going to unpack a little bit of that this morning. So what is our first step in being wise and discerning, not condemning and judgmental towards others within the family? Well, don't be judgmental, be humble. Let's just start from there, right? Don't be judgmental, be humble. Don't criticize and be critical of others. Be careful, be concise. And don't simply see someone and their faults, see someone as forgiven. You with me? Anyone ever not been judgmental in their life? <laughs> I heard some chuckles. It's easy to do, isn't it? Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way that you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Friends, when we judge someone, when we are critical, when we are condemning, when all we are trying to do is look and say, oh, there's another fault, oh, there's another failure, oh, they messed up again, we define ourselves in that process. We begin to expose our own heart. The ill will and the tendency to just kind of have this, uh, you know what, man, they're, they're, just did it again. It's my, it's my job to go and tell them. Right? Now, what I'm not talking about, right, is when you're driving down the road and another California plate is in front of you, you begin to look at that person and condemn them as the most horrendous people on the face of the earth. They're just, they're all from Hollywood, terrible people, right? I'm from California, so you're judging me, so be careful, Right? Right? I'm not talking about that, right? We're talking about right relationships in the kingdom of God. When we see sin in other people, how do we respond? Sometimes our attitudes about those little things in life can tell us a lot about our spiritual attitudes towards other people concerning godly things. When Jesus says, do not judge so that you will be not judged, he is not telling us in any way, shape, or form to do away with all moral discernment in people's lives. To just say, well, it's not my responsibility. Again, God, Jesus, take the wheel. You do your work, right? I'm just going to leave it all up to you. Who am I to judge? And maybe there's this tendency I know for me in my life, in my early years of just really forming my relationship with God, it was always like, well, God, I'm just not in the place that I should be right now to really instruct that person. But then I really did nothing in my life to make sure I 
was seeking after God and in giving my sins to him, I just kind of stayed complacent because, well, you know, I was probably more afraid of going and helping someone than I was of my sin. Like there's, there's kind of that model, right? We either avoid it sometimes, think it's not our place. Even unbelievers in the world use this verse. And when you're, you, you've seen it, someone standing on the corner, right, preaching, and they say, who are you to judge me? Don't judge me, bro. So what are we to do? There's a few ways in which judge is used throughout scripture. And what Jesus is saying here is when he's saying, do not judge that you be not judged, he's telling us the manner and the attitude in the way in which we judge. We're not talking about a judge uh, that's in a courtroom. We're not talking about a judge that's measuring a panel like, hey, I like them, I'm gonna give them a 10, right? We're talking about attitudes and conditions of the heart. We're talking about the way in which we assess and we look at someone else while not viewing ourselves in that same way. Because again, what does he say? The way you judge, you will be judged. The standard you use, the measure that you use, yeah, that's gonna be measured back to you. Yes, by other people, but more importantly, church, hear this, by God himself. That's hard. We wanna wrestle with that. Now, what God is not doing is not this judgment of condemnation of, oh, oh, you're wrong. Let me just smash you under my feet. I used to, growing up, I used to think um, God was just this thing in the sky that was burning us like ants with a magnifying glass every time we did wrong, right? Y'all did, you know, did that? And I just became this wrong view of what it means when God judges us and when other people judge us because I just began to assume, man, every time I do something wrong, there was someone there to burn me for it. This can't be what the family of God is about. See, a judgmental spirit, according to this passage, what Jesus is saying, again, attitude of the heart, is it's someone who assumes things about the motives of someone's heart. It's being overly critical about the issues in someone's life without solving anything, without being any help. Just sitting back and commenting. It often, a judgmental person often thinks the worst in someone instead of the best about someone, giving them even a little bit of slack of benefit of the doubt. It's someone who sees something, a flaw, an issue in someone's life and just jumps on and says, oh, I'm here to tell you that you need to fix this. I'm guilty. It's nothing like preaching on this kind of stuff and then having to live your life, right? Man. Oftentimes, this judgmental spirit is we view someone in light of their past mistakes. And we never release that from them. Just kind of hold on to it. But most importantly, judgmental, this judgmentalism that we do, get myself included in this, is someone who is guilty of the very things that we criticize and critique about someone else. Romans 2, 1 through 2. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, Again, this criticalness. 
For whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you pass judgment, do the same things. It was great. In between services, someone just said, you know what it reminds me of? It's when you point the finger, there's three fingers pointing right back at you. That's kind of fun. God built in, <laughs> you know, an anti-critiquing measure. Judgmentalism is this unfair, unreasonable, judging others by standards we don't even hold ourselves to. It's human judgments. It's not godly judgments. It's almost like we just kind of make the Bible secondary to what I think is important, just like that letter. You know what judgmentalism is? It's turning one sentence into 18 pages. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Whew. It is really easy to criticize other people. That's just, man, that's that sin nature that we wrestle against. It's easy to look at someone and just assume we know things, right? It's easy to see someone standing somewhere, doing something, saying something, and then we just assume that this is a whole huge issue in their life. We don't know that. And in the meantime, what we do is then we start to become guilty of the very things that we're accusing someone of, right? Have you ever been uh, wrongly judged? How does it feel? terrible it's almost like we just we keep these mental files in our minds and anytime someone does something that we don't like or we think is wrong and maybe it is wrong again Jesus is going to talk about this speck and that speck represents a sin and an issue and so yes maybe it is wrong and we file that away and then they come to us and they accuse us of something. And you know what we do? We open up the folder and say, hmm, on July 3rd of 1999, you did this. We do it in relationships, marriages, friendships, coworkers. Someone says something to you and you start pulling out the files and you say, oh, let me show you something. And Jesus is saying, well, that is not how I want relationships to work. That does more damage to the kingdom than it will ever do any good. Let's not be divided, let's be united. Why is it dangerous to be a judgmental and critical person? The way you judge others, you will be judged. The standard of measure you use will be measured right back to you it's a sobering thought to think that jesus himself is telling this uh, if it was yes from paul or peter like that would be uh, it would be powerful too but this is jesus speaking these are like red letters guys and saying this is why you should be careful in the way that you treat one another how will you be measured what standard will you use because it's going to be used to you. And we face that even in our relationships. You judge me this way, I'm going to judge you right back. 
And it's just this circle of friction, of division. Friends, you and I, we don't receive condemning and critical words from the Savior. So why do we feel the need to do that towards others? Right? It's hard. It's hard. I get it. I had to ask myself these same things. It's like Jesus doesn't look at me and say, Dave, man, you are a messed up individual. Oh, you did it again, man. What is wrong with you? Man, you're just a terrible person. Jesus doesn't say that to me. You know what he does is he reminds me, you know what, Dave? You're forgiven. I've redeemed you not so you can live this way, but that's that you can live this way. I love you. I died for you. I gave everything for you so that you could have a new life, an abundant life to discern right and wrong, to love God, to love others, to serve God, to serve others. He reminds me about the beauty of the Christian life. It's often within the family that we remind ourselves of the negative. When we should be reminding each other, oh, how much God loves us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in The Cost of Discipleship writes, judging others makes us blind where love is illuminating. By judging others, we blind ourselves to our own evil and to the grace which others are just as entitled to as we are. Others are entitled to the same grace that we have been given. Is your hand open to offer that to them? In thinking about this, we get to, it, was, it was a reminder to me that we often spend more time trying to build a case against other people. Again, we kind of file things away. They messed up, did some wrong. I, I put it in here. I create just this running book and someone does some, it's, it's easy to pull out. We, we kind of build a case against someone, right? We often think judging is this negative, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get some, some stuff to use against them. And you know what a humble heart does? You know what a humble servant of God does? I'm not keeping a file against you. It's not worth it. Adds no value. Doesn't serve the kingdom. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna measure you against your past mistakes. I wanna help you move forward. This kingdom living that Jesus is talking about in the Sermon of the Mount means living with kingdom eyes, means living with kingdom heart, kingdom love, kingdom humility, kingdom care, kingdom speech, my friends, kingdom discernment, to know when we are just out of line. How do we change a critical spirit? Here's a few simple ways. Apply the standard and measure you use on others to yourself. Just try, just try. I did it. It was terrible. It was hard. I, I was like, oh, God, I get it. I get it. Mm, I'm changing, right? Just try it. As an example, the way you just judge that last person, just create a case scenario in your life and try it on yourself. It, it'll change the tone. 
Go to God in prayer. Pray for wisdom and for eyes to see that you and the person that you are criticizing are both at the feet of Jesus. You're not higher, not better, not more supreme, not holier, maybe in a different part in your walk and journey with God, but you're both in the same position at the feet of Jesus. Man, will that just bring joy into your life? It'll change the dynamic of the relationship. My friends, discern your motives. Why? Why are you wanting to say what you want to say? What is it going to accomplish? Exercise care, not carelessness. In other words, forgive others as God has forgiven you. Love others as God loves you. Care for others as God cares for you. So in our walk, we're striving to be less judgmental and more humble. And the way that we do this is that we must assess ourselves before we address someone else. We must evaluate our own sins, our own life, before we can ever evaluate and assess the sins and the issues in someone else. It is to look inward, not just to look outward. Jesus says, verse three, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, there is a log in your own. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You know what Jesus is saying? Stop trying to be a specialist about the sins in other people's lives while trying to be a beginner on your own. This word look is to like intently look for something wrong in someone's life. He's saying, why are you spending so much time concerned about what's going on in someone's life that you are blindly ignoring the things in your life that I want you to get right before me before you go and help someone else? Do you really think the spirit in which you're going to go to someone is going to be well received when you got a log in your own eye? It is so much easier, and I have found this to be true, it is so much easier to criticize the faults and sin of others than our own. And we give far too much grace to ourselves while giving too little grace to others. Pointing out the sin in others, my friends, doesn't minimize the sin in you. Pointing out the flaws and the failures in someone else doesn't minimize what's going on in your own life. We can only ignore it for so long that it just comes to the surface. Maybe it's broken relationships and no one wants to be with me, hang with me, talk with me. We need to address, we need to assess ourselves before we address someone else. We must perform the necessary eye surgery on ourself and remove the log, remove the issue in our life so that I can rightly see and rightly discern and rightly judge then according to God, his word, his truth, his standard, my brother and sister in Christ. I want to come to someone to offer help in a spirit 
of kindness, in a spirit of humility, in a spirit of grace, and with precision and exactness that comes from a praying spirit of God, search me, know me, rid me of these things in my life, that when I go to someone, I can offer the help that you wanna do through me. I don't wanna be the kind of person, Lord Jesus, that points out the gossip that someone else is sharing when I myself am going around other people saying, you know what, man, did you hear Dave? Man, he just can't keep his mouth shut. And expect that Jesus is there like, right, dude? It's not how it works. It's like, no, see, it is often easier to see the faults in others that we ourselves wrestle with the most. We want to ignore it and somehow it makes me feel better. Say, oh, look at them. I'm not that bad. Man, they're a liar, but I'll just tell a few white lies. There's a great cost to only looking at the speck in someone else's life while ignoring the log in our own. And you know what that is? It's being called a hypocrite. An actor, someone who pretends, plays the part, but doesn't live it. It's the cost that we pay. And it's not a good cost to pay. I've never felt good about being called a hypocrite or coming to the realization that I am one. See, being a hypocrite, and, and, and Jesus is so good with his words, right? Being a hypocrite really means, if I could just summarize this, it's looking at someone else and saying, it's them with the log, I only have the speck. You with me? Right? It's saying, they've got the issue. I'm not as bad. They have the log. I have but a mere dust particle. We must learn the spiritual and relational value of looking inward before we look outward, of assessing ourselves and examining ourselves before God and then going to someone else. Yes, Jesus wants to use you to help that person, but he's saying only after you have purified yourself. Only after you have my eyes for that person, not your eyes. I am perfect, whole, and complete. Yes, I have given you my spirit and I have given you my truth, but man, that, that nature wants to creep in there and, and, and just and start competing. See with my eyes, see with my heart, See that person as loved and forgiven as you are loved and forgiven. And it's amazing the kind of relationships that get forged in that kind of a spirit. It's the kind of relationships that grow towards Christ. Enemy loves getting into the church and causing division. And, and the most often, and any time I've met in council or just in church experience, we divide over being critical of one another. And I'm like, man, there's pages filled with things that we can be united on. Can we focus on that? Can we take our eyes off of ourselves and look to God? Say, God, work with me. And then when I come and I look at the other person or the other person looks at me, flip it a little bit, it will be received it just changes the way the conversation goes. We realize that we are truly trying to help one another. 
Jesus knows the worst about us and still loves us. Jesus knows the worst about me still loves me. Jesus knows the worst about you still loves you. Is that good news? So how am I supposed to lovingly correct someone, to address someone, to help something according to God's kingdom? Take the log out of your own eye. How do we do it? Pray, seek God's wisdom. Again, come before the Lord and pray. Seek his counsel, his wisdom. Ask forgiveness for the things that are going on in your life and just say, God, give me a purified heart that is ready to go and be used when you say go. Examine yourself and ask yourself this question. Are you more bothered by the sins of other people or yourself? Then wrestle with God on that. Come to the Lord with your list of shortcomings. Write yourself 18 pages. Give it to someone else. Most importantly, remind yourself of the gospel of who you are in Christ and the life that he is calling you to live and the help that he is calling you to give. We must put in the work that is required to see ourselves in our issues with accuracy before we can ever rightly go to someone and offer help to them in clarity. We're blind. We've got issues. It's impairing our judgment. Jesus is saying, let me take those. Come with me, purify your heart, get right with me. And then let me send you in my power, in my strength, in my word, in my wisdom. Let me use you to bless someone else. So be less judgmental, more humble. We assess ourselves before the Lord, before we address someone else. Lastly, discern your words. Be discerning with your words. Exercise proper discernment. Again, Jesus is not saying don't judge, get away with all moral judgments, do away with any kind of this moral compass, just, you know, avoid it. Because he's addressing, he's gonna address this with us right now. And this is a huge sermon in itself and we're not gonna dive into this too far. But using this next verse, he says, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. This is why we're to exercise godly discernment. We're not called to play God. We're called to serve God. We are called to be wise and discerning in what we share and with whom we share it with. And we're then to rightly discern and to decide, is what I'm sharing bringing value into someone's life or is this causing division, discouragement, and is this person becoming angry and hostile, not necessarily just towards me, but towards the message of God? He uses dogs and he uses pigs. And I'm not talking about like dogs you carry in your purse. That's not how things worked in Jesus' day. And pigs weren't these cuddly things like you just, everyone kind of had one on your farm and if you needed bacon, you had bacon. Probably shouldn't have said that, but you do, right? Like Jews, it was unclean, like you, you didn't, it was, just wasn't a part of life. 
And so this idea of why are you taking these wonderful, precious values and truths of God's word and casting them in giving them to others who will not appreciate them, who will not receive them, who aren't open to them, but you're just continually trying to cram them down their throat and assume that by your effort and by your work, they're gonna have a change of heart. Doesn't always work like that. We need to be discerning in is what I am saying and is what I am sharing causing someone to grow closer to Jesus, to turn to Jesus, or are they getting angry at me? Are they mocking me worse off? Are they mocking God in the faith that I love so much? This is hard because we don't like lost causes. We don't feel, we don't like feeling like, you know what, I have failed. Or man, it was my responsibility to save them. Take that off your shoulders. And Jesus is saying, take that off your shoulders. The responsibility to save is mine. I want you to take the words, to take those precious pearls of value, the gospel, the message of the kingdom, and I want you to present those to people. And if they ridicule, they mock you, take it back, trust me with the results on their life and go to someone else and if they receive them, sit there, stay there. Don't feel like you've got to win a lost cause because you will do damage. This is why we must rightly judge and discern and decide what are my words doing? It's hard, it's difficult, I know. We, we wrestle with this and we should. And we're probably thinking about all these things of, of well, um, okay, so I, I am to judge and you know what, I, I did it this way to, to, to someone and, and maybe that was wrong. And I'm, I pray that as, even as you leave here today, that you're probably maybe even asking, what do I do with this? You know what might be a helpful thing? is if you're having any kind of just checking your spirit right now, if, man, I might have been wrong in that. I thought maybe I was being discerning in someone's life and being helpful, but now I was really being critical and judgmental. You know what you do is you get on the phone today and you call them and you seek forgiveness. I wrote a letter to someone. You know what? I, I don't know that what I shared with you was in the best of spirit. I'm sorry. What do we do with what we've talked about? There's a reason why we value relational discipleship here at Grace is because we want people, appropriately so, right, to crawl into your life and help you become more like Christ in all of life. And that only comes by the relationship we have with one another and saying, you know what? Um, I sought the Lord in this area and, and, and I see, I see a, a possible need here and I want to help you and we receive that and the other person is better for it. They become changed and renewed by the power of God. We want you to be in that kind of relationship. We want to be drawing closer. We need people to bring loving correction in our lives because there are things that we don't see about ourselves that someone else does and not everything they say is wrong. And anytime someone brings maybe a correction, don't just say, don't judge me. Just say, what in that is truth? takes a village to walk with God, doesn't it? Oh, man. That's why it gave us the church. The world will let you sit in your sin, and they'll be fine with that. 
family of God should never let each other be okay with just sitting, hanging out in the sin. Love each other to Jesus. Let's be men and women who take what we have heard this morning, surrender ourselves to God, look at others through the lens of Jesus. You love them, you care about them, I want to love them. I want to care about them the way that you do. Jesus, help me discern how to be helpful, not hurtful. How to care for them, not be careless. How to see them as you see them so that I might push them to you, not pull them to me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word truth of your word, the power that's in your word. Help us to wrestle with this. Father, help us to just understand the needs and the things in our lives that we need to do even today that we might rightly apply this into our lives with joy and embrace and knowing that you want to be at work in and through us, Lord Jesus. You are good. You love us. We give you the honor, glory, and the praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.